Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Friday, the 1st of January 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 301. A happy, well, not happy new year, a better new year for all of us, I hope. I think that's more realistic. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I think psychologically it's important for all of us to just have 2020 behind us. It would be some year if 2021 somehow managed to be worse. And just saying that 2021, I mean, it's extraordinary. This is the future that we're living in, but there are no flying cars. There are no silver type all in one sci-fi uniforms. There is just a raging pandemic out there and a poor take-up of masks in London. I was out this morning and nine months on, it just doesn't feel like the penny is dropping for a lot of people. I had hoped to be with you before 2020 was out, but as you'll hear, extenuating circumstances got in the way of that being rather a grim week. I had an early record this morning of this very show, gave my earliest time check of the last 100 plus episodes since I returned in late 2019 after a 22 month hiatus. And, uh, you know, 2019 now feels like another lifetime ago. But I'd never done a show as early as this morning. It was about 8.03 hours when I started. But I'm having issues again with Audacity. This time the mixer and Audacity don't seem to be gelling. The whole show was unusable. There was loads of static I couldn't get rid of. I am really struggling to get to grips with all the technology I have. I don't think the issue is the mixer. I thank my friend and co-host on Trial You Want, the Friday night show that we do on Mixcloud Live for all his time and help over the last few weeks as I try to get to grips with all this equipment. We haven't even started me off yet on the Zoom H8. Clay says for the average person, it'll take 10 minutes to get to grips with that. But for me, we're probably looking at an hour. I don't disagree with him on that. So I couldn't use this morning's show. I've been bouncing messages back and forth with Clay as uh, we look to try and isolate what the problem is. And I'd set up this new desktop in such a way that I've had to disable all my mics except the mixer mic. So in order to run some tests to try and eliminate that it might be an issue with the mixer, I've been trying to enable the mics, the other mics on the system, and I've not been able to do that. I ended up watching a YouTube video on Audacity Static. That was my first search before trying to see if I could download Cool Edit Pro if that's still around. I used to use that about 15, 16 years ago. I've downloaded Ableton, which was recommended by uh, Eamon last summer. I've never got to grips with that, but I probably didn't really give it a chance. There's also Adobe Adobe Auditions, I think. That was a hard swallow there. Let's see if I can pick it up on the edit. Adobe Auditions, but I think with uh, with Adobe Auditions, you have to pay now. And, you know, with this show just not bringing much in, that's not going to be realistic on my part. 
So I watched this video on eliminating audacity static. There is a trick to it, which I'm not sure is ideal. I think it's a short-term fix. It's certainly a short-term fix in terms of getting this show out to you today. You record five, six seconds of silence at the start of your show. The system will then recognize how much noise stroke static there is in the background. Then you start recording your show as normal. When I finish recording it and I play it back, the static will be all through my audio. But what I do with the first six seconds of audio, I get a noise profile on that. And then I select the rest of my recording and I go into noise profile and reduce everything to the settings on there. And that should get rid of the static. Hopefully I've run a a test on a two-minute segment of audio. I'm hoping that gets me out of jail today. I mean, it could be a long-term fix, but I've never had that problem with static, with audacity. I'm wondering whether going forward, this is the way I have to work unless I can manage to get a free copy of Cool Edit Pro at least and see if I can get to grips with that because I'm just tired of having to work this way. And now I've got all this equipment and I'm still having problems. Anyway... The important thing is to get episode 301 out there. And uh, I do hope that you guys all had a, a fairly decent Christmas under the circumstances. And I hope that uh, you were sensible about your new year. As grim as this situation is now in the UK, can you imagine how much worse it would have been if we'd gone ahead with those five days of being able to mix? Just beggars belief that we're still not quite getting it right. I have my doubts as to whether tier four is going to be enough to get us out of this. And, uh, you know, people talk about the original lockdown. It wasn't a lockdown in how the, say, how the continentals would interpret a lockdown. It was quite a lax lockdown. And uh, my recollection of the lockdown, the original lockdown, is seeing lots of uh, people using the park as a latrine, going into the bushes and uh, relieving themselves back in the summer, spring and summer. You know, I'd see that a lot when I was out running, so that was uh, disappointing. A breakfast update to, to bring you open the year with some toast, minty Matt guess correctly. Well, it wasn't really much of a guess, was it? I mean, I think it was um, obvious to most of you guys, including Matt, that toast is certainly my go-to favorite breakfast. It's a way of keeping the cafe close to my heart because that was the breakfast I would have in the cafe for all those years. Crackers, dunking them in the coffee, well-buttered crackers, butter driven to all the corners. That was, uh, it wasn't a distant second. It was, it wasn't a close second. It was somewhere in between. But third on that list, which uh, Matt picked up on, it was its first appearance actually in years, was scrambled egg. And I only ate those scrambled eggs because my sister, when she was here, she'd bought some eggs. They had to be eaten by the 31st. And uh, they were small size eggs. I had four of them, made some scrambled egg, which used to be a speciality of mine. I felt quite heavy, actually. And uh, lunch is my favorite meal of the day, probably. I tend to overeat at lunchtime. Well, I can do anyway. And uh, the way I deal with that, obviously, is by punishing myself when I'm out uh, running. But yesterday I'd eaten so much. Well, the scrambled egg had filled me up, so I didn't really need to have much of a lunch. I still had a light lunch, but uh, I won't be making a habit of the scrambled eggs. I don't buy eggs anyway. Although my aunt has been giving me egg boxes to see if I can use them on the walls to try and improve the acoustics on my uh, audio work. I've also been using my 2021 diary from today. A unique situation for me because normally I'm... You know, I'm waiting normally till about mid-January before picking up a cheap diary for the new year. Then I'm having to transfer all the information, all the notes that I've got, all the appointments. Uh, less appointments these days, given that you can't have 
non-essential hospital appointments these days. So that's uh, emptied out my diary for the uh, foreseeable. But normally, you know, I'm doing that in January, mid-January onwards. I'm transferring appointment times and notes into the new diary. But this year, and I suppose the store recognized that 2021 wasn't going to be much in terms of how busy people were going to be. And that's why they were selling them so cheaply back in the summer. 50p for diaries, an absolute bargain. One of the few pluses of the pandemic. So 1st of January 2021, and I've got my 2021 diary right away. No builders. They were meant to return on the 29th of December, not internally, just externally. There's still a lot of work to do. The scaffolding was meant to start coming down at the front of the building. And I tell you what, there must be some mutant virus clinging onto that scaffolding because those guys were absolute animals. And I can say after a couple of weeks with these new windows, it wasn't worth it. It was never going to be worth it. I wasn't surprised at how unsafe the work was because I'd been watching them work within the building for, you know, two or three months. I knew what I would be dealing with and uh, they haven't turned up. And I'm thinking that maybe the virus has just cut right through that team of scaffolders and workmen because we were told they were coming back on the 29th. One of the downstairs neighbors, their windows, they've started coming away from the windowsill. They uh, sent some photographs around. It's uh, really grim. I've got the bathroom windows, the new bathroom windows, which don't actually open after a shower. I think they're sticking. There's the uh, window in the bedroom, uh, well, the second bedroom stroke study, which is where the leak is and also needs to be. There's a knack to it. You know, when we start talking about knacks to something, you know, as well as I do, I don't have any common sense. And that's going to take me a while to get to grips with. I normally never open that window because there's a plague of ladybirds out there normally because there's a train track at the back of the building. And it's quite common where there are train tracks because of the type of growth that you get around there. You get ladybirds. And the last couple of years, there hasn't been an issue. But before that, I'd never known anything like it. You know that I have that phobia of anything with wings. Normally I can deal with flies, but not ladybirds. When they start flying about, they make such a sound. And I remember there was one day when I was working in the study a few years ago, and there were about 20 or 30 that came in through the window at any one time, despite it being sealed. So, you know, it's got blue tack on it. It's got masking tape on it. Well, the old windows did. That's all come off now because, you know, they put the new windows in. But that new window doesn't open properly. So these are all things that they might have to deal with in the snagging. I won't be getting the vents in. You know, they put in the wrong windows, no vents. But I'm not going through all that again. And, you know, that's been agreed with a landlord. No need to go through anymore. So I wasn't surprised by how unsafe the work was. I'd seen how they worked and that is why I tried to resist the work as long as possible. The knock-on effect was it had a hugely detrimental effect on me. The the run-up to it was awful. It's impacted on the work. You know, I've got the football show out there now and I'm pleased with it, but it's certainly not the show that I had in mind and it's going to be hard to turn that around. Downloads have picked up a lot this week because of the guest I've got on episode three, but there's still no reviews. I can't have another Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available on my hands because uh, that would be an absolute disaster and I deserve better than that. And it is a good show. So hoping that uh, I can turn that around and that uh, by the spring of 2021, that is the show that I'd set out to do. Headphone ears, it is painful 
at times having to wear headphones with glasses on. That is something that I'd never envisaged. But now I have to wear glasses all the time. And I asked, uh, I asked Clay this about uh, wearing glasses while you're editing and wearing your headphones. And he said, yeah, it is, a, it is a bit of a problem. The ears can become uncomfortable. I'm thinking that if I keep doing all these hours on the editing front, while I'm wearing glasses and headphones, there is a danger of getting cauliflower ear, the, uh, the audio version of what they might get in the rugby world, so to speak. So a grim Christmas, I think, for a lot of us. For me, events took a downward turn. And, you know, I'm used to Christmas on my own, unfortunately. And that's not a sob story. It's a fact. You know, was this Christmas worse for me than 2018, which was my... Only my second Christmas on my own. The first one had been the year my mum passed away when personally I didn't feel it was appropriate to have a Christmas when really I should have spent it with my family who'd gathered. But I was really punishing myself that year. I, I know I was. I know that was my thinking. And if I, if I had a chance again, I think I would have just gone and been with the family. I didn't really need to put myself through that grim Christmas. Lopez being the type of character that he was, he came to my flat in West Norwood that day in the afternoon and stayed over. That's the kind of good friend that he was. Uh, wouldn't have me on my own. I'd spent half the day on my own, then he turned up and things picked up from there. But 2018 was the first of the three consecutive Christmases I spent on my own, and that was really difficult. This year was less so, even though there was the disappointment of my sister having to leave just three days into a 10-day stay to fly back to the Gulf. That was a bit of a bloke because I'd enjoyed her company. I had. I think I would have enjoyed most people's company to, to have someone in the flat to be able to, you know, just sit down and chat and to eat with someone. You know, I enjoyed that. I wasn't sure that I would, but I did enjoy that. It didn't feel like, you know, they were in the way. It was it was good. And, uh, you know, the downside was having to sleep on the sofa, far from comfortable. But, it, it, you know, if it was a, a trade-off, I would have been happy with that. I would have taken it. I could have done another seven days on the sofa without any difficulty. But my Christmas took a turn for the worse when on Boxing Day, a uh, contact, a friend had got in touch, and I use the word contact in this context, to say they tested positive for COVID and uh, they'd known about it for four days and uh, their boss had told them that they ought to contact everyone that they'd you know, seen and let them know what the situation was. And I thought, ah, oh, this is all I need. Now, I'm not one of those people who would hold someone to account, would blame someone, any contact that I have, who I might have seen, they get COVID, and then I've got to go and get tested. You can't act like that with this thing. Now, I know that, you know, as a, as a temp worker of many years in the past, it would frustrate me when I'd go into work with a minor bug or a bit of a, you know, a flu, and really, ideally, you'd want to stay at home. But if you were an agency staff, you wouldn't get paid if you stayed at home. You'd have your bills to pay. That's the world you're living in permanent staff who have the benefit of being able uh, to get sick pay and certainly in the public sector most of them make good use of that they really do I mean you know in the private sector those guys just wouldn't last with some of the stunts they pull but even in the last uh, role I had with a man I remember this woman when I went in with the uh, well it was a cold I wouldn't say it was a flu it was a cold and she really let me have it she made it clear that she wasn't happy about me being there. And I took such umbrage at the way she'd spoken to me. She didn't know me well enough to speak to me like that. And she was permanent and, you know, wouldn't have appreciated that you're just there trying to pay your bills. And, you know, you're aware that you're not 100%, but you're not, you're not the originator of this bug. 
So it's one thing getting people behaving like that with the flu, but at some point we're all going to have to get tested. We're all going to have to experience this. And it's likely that it's going to be someone that we know who tells us, look, I've got this. I've tested positive. You really ought to get yourself tested. You can't hold that person to account. This thing is everywhere. And you've just got to be prepared and know what steps to take in order to get yourself tested. The one plus about this situation I found myself in is I now know the steps that need to be taken. You know, I got guidance from my cousin. There's a nurse in the family. You know, they both helped me. And, you know, by Saturday evening, I had a good, clear idea of what I needed to do. What really annoyed me was that this person had sat on their positive result for four days. You know, in in those four days, I could have gone to see my aunt and uncle. I could have endangered them. And I'd obviously had my sister with me as well. You know, when she went back to the Emirates, uh, she was tested anyway and tested positive. But in my head, I didn't quite understand how the virus might work. And I was thinking, well, maybe if I had it and I'd, I'd never felt at any point that I had it because I felt fine. But at the same time, I know that there are people who feel absolutely fine, but they do have it. They're symptomatic or asymptomatic, whatever it is. So I wasn't impressed and I left it at that. There's been no further contact with that friend. You've got this information for four days. Why did you not tell me on the same day? That's all I'm asking. I'm not going to blame you for me having to get tested. I don't hold you responsible for that. This is the world that we're living in. But give me a chance to go and do what I need to do. Give me a chance to let the people I need to let know that I might have something. Give me a chance to tell them. And within an hour, I told whoever I needed to tell which, you know, admittedly was a very tiny circle of people in comparison to this guy who would have a a nine-to-five role. He would have uh, family and uh, colleagues to tell. And I think that he'd sat on that for four days as well, which I think is really unimpressive. If you test positive, this isn't just about you. This, they say we're all in it together. Well, we're only all in it together if we do what we need to do. And you need to let people know so those people can then take the action that they need to take right away. And instead, there was this four day window where I could have been doing anything. And yes, he said that, well, look, you self-isolate anyway. You know, you've been living a very quiet life for a long time. You've got nothing to worry about. And in the email header, it just said annoying. Well, it was more than annoying. It was worrying and it was really disappointing behavior. Don't make the assumption on my behalf. Let me make that decision for myself you know, I hope you get better, but do let me know that you've got this thing if we've been in contact so I can go and get tested and I can let the people that I need to let know that they ought to maybe get tested as well. That's the way this thing should work. So that was really disappointing. Not massively stressful in that I guess the pills just leave me pretty calm about everything. I think it was maybe an insight into some personal growth on my part because my biggest concern was actually for other people. I thought that if I'd ever found myself in this situation, my concern would have been primarily for myself. I think the fact that I felt well, my concern, my focus was on, you know, my sister, it was on my aunt and uncle. And having experienced this now, I can say from that side of things, it's not great. It wasn't great. It wasn't wasn't a good experience, but at least I know that next time I have to get tested, and I'm sure there'll be a next time, I know what I need to do. For the first few hours, I mean, I didn't know how the system worked. For the first few hours, I was being told the only testing center available because I didn't want to do the self-test. There's lots of people in this building, although I think there's only about four flats here over Christmas, but uh, the 
way the self-testing works, my understanding, what I was told is a courier turns up, they give you a test, you go in and take it and they wait for you at the door. But I think neighbours would have guessed what was going on and I didn't really want my business being known like that. And you might say, well, you're talking about it on your show, but, you know, there's only 20 listeners. So, you know, not too much of a difference. And, uh, you know, this show is about life and I'm telling you about my life over the last week uh, without trying to overshare. You know, you probably had to get tested yourself at some point. And if I wasn't talking about this, you know, the show would probably be a lot shorter today anyway. I also didn't want to do the self-testing because I just thought, well, I might not do it properly. Still had to do the self-testing. Technically, when I went to the testing center, they showed you how to do it. It was just a a horrible trip there. So the first few hours anyway, there was only uh, this venue kept coming up in the city. I thought, well, it makes no sense because it's seven seven kilometers away. I'd need to get a couple of buses there. I'm not even sure where it, exactly it is. It was near Holborn. I think it was near St. Paul's, but I don't really know that part of London too well anymore. You know, Holborn I'm fine with, but everything else, you know, I don't really do central London anymore. And eventually a couple of venues started turning up in Lewis German, I thought, okay, so this is how it works. You keep refreshing the screen and appointments will be freed up and I'll just go to uh, one in Brixton or Stockwell. Brixton one came up in the evening and I booked for the following morning. Went there on Sunday morning. You know, normally I wouldn't be going out on a Sunday and, you know, as if things weren't grim enough to have to trek to that particular part of Brixton at the bottom of Cold Harbour Lane, which is a horrible, horrible area. You know, I mean, South London has just been gentrified like no other part of London, I think. But there are still areas of South London where you think they really could do with gentrifying this. And to be fair, actually, the place where I had to go has been gentrified, but it's so ugly. It's like a hangover from the 70s. It's so ugly that it still looks like it looked when I was a kid. And I was walking for a while. I had to walk down this long road locally. There was no cut through. And then I had to walk up this other road that was parallel to it and I couldn't see this mobile testing center and then as I was coming to the end of that road I saw this long queue and I thought ah there it is there it is and here are all these people who think they might have it or who think there's reason enough to be tested they're all there I saw some people there who weren't looking great I saw some guy being helped out of his car by his wife he was wearing tracksuit bottoms and a sheepskin it was like a street version of John Motson she had to put his mask on him, his shoulders were sunk and he didn't look well. I was right behind them, although I was socially distancing at maybe 2.5 meters. And I just thought, I feel fine. If I'm going to catch this thing, it's going to be in this queue. So I had the test. I did struggle with swabbing the throat. I had to do it twice because I was gagging. I asked a few questions trying to get clarification on it. They said that the nostril swab tended to be worse and uh, I disagree. I think the throat one was worse for me. I was talking about this with my uncle this morning and uh, because he's been tested when he's gone for surgery. He actually said that he felt a bit disgusted when he had to stick it up his nose after putting it down his throat. And I'm thinking, well, you wouldn't really want to be doing it the other way around, would you? You wouldn't want to be going in the nose first and then in your mouth. What kind of thinking is that? Come on. They stopped a guy. There was a kid there. I say kid, you know, when you're, when you're this age, when you're middle-aged, everyone's a kid. Anyone that's younger than you is a kid. There was this kid anyway. He was with his girlfriend. They were both getting tested and he got caught filming himself self-swabbing, self-testing. 
and they stopped him from filming. I'm thinking, why do you want to film this? You can't film everything. You don't need to film everything. I think mentally having this experience, it didn't help just because of the location. If it had been somewhere nicer, and you're probably thinking, and I understand that, you're thinking, well, it's not really about location, is it? You know, just you, wherever you're going to get tested, get tested. Yes, it's a grim enough thing to get tested, overusing that word today, grim, to see a part of South London that I've never liked and to have to walk up this by the railway arches, basically, which any place with railway arches i've always had a bit of a problem with the overground it always leaves me a bit depressed thankfully i've not had to use overgrounds much in my life there is there have been pockets of overground years nothing more than that but when you see businesses under arches you're thinking i could not have if i was a business owner if i was a shop owner or i had a garage i just couldn't work in that kind of place there's just something victorian looking about those places and I was just glad to get out of there. Then I had to come home. I was expecting to get my results, to be honest, within a day. I was quite deluded because, you know, the government page, the the website makes a big play about getting your results very quickly. And then I thought maybe a couple of days when it didn't come on the Monday. And I ended up waiting until last night, New Year's Eve, till about uh, 1930 hours. And then I got the text and I got two emails and I let the people I needed to let know that I tested negative, had to go to the Lidl this morning. Blueberries down to 129 at the moment, by the way, bought two uh, packets of those. So I was just running low on supplies. I didn't know how a delivery would work if I ordered an online delivery because I've never done one. And uh, when my sister was here, she did one and we had to go downstairs and bag everything up quite frantically, you know, like those, um, is it six armed or eight armed is it Buddhist gods or Hindu gods? We were packing like that. It was absolutely chaotic. All the bags on the floor, which I uh, wet wiped afterwards when my sister wasn't looking. So I did start to wonder, well, what if I test positive? How do I get some food in? How's that going to work? Do I need to let the delivery driver know or does it not matter because they wait outside anyway? Just all those things, the the logistics of it, I was trying to get to grips with. But anyway, I tested negative. It just Unfortunately, for four or five days, I couldn't do anything. It was just a really bad day yesterday. Well, I mean, it, the conclusion of a bad week was yesterday. There was a power cut in the evening, only three or four minutes. But I thought, is this going to be for the night? This is like the 70s. Thankfully, that was just three or four minutes. There's been a leak under the kitchen sink since Monday or Tuesday, which is probably, I think, going to cost two or three hundred pounds. I've got to get on to that by Monday. I couldn't bring a plumber in while I was isolating, of course. So now I may as well just wait until Monday. I'm going to test the washing machine because I think the washing machine may be partly or mostly culpable for the leak. I don't know. It's happened a few times now, but it's going to be expensive. I had Mickey Blue do a stopgap fix back in February, which... Uh, bought that sink some time. I just think this thing is going to have to be fixed on Monday. I'm going to have to bring back the plumber who came a couple of weeks ago, the guy who climbed into the bath to check, uh, to open the bathroom window, which he struggled to open the new bathroom window, that is. And uh, he'd seen the uh, bathroom. He saw the WC, the setup, and uh, he's the one that just said, that's fine. 
So more tradesmen to deal with, though, to be fair, he wasn't that bad in that he was masked. He was open mouth masticating underneath that mask. The mask was just moving up and down, vigorous chewing, obviously a bit of a geezer, like something out of uh, on the buses, but the plumber equivalent of that. So I'll have to deal with him. But, uh, you know, he's been here once. I may as well just bring him again. And hopefully the prices aren't uh, too unreasonable. Sam Allardyce, the uh, new West Brom manager, he was talking about having a circuit breaker in football, which, you know, they may need to bring in given the amount of footballers that are now starting to fall ill with the virus. But he didn't do himself any favours. He's talking about being worried because he's 66. He's come back into the game and he thinks that, uh, you know, he's vulnerable to the virus, which, of course, he is. But on Saturday, no, Sunday, West Brom were at Liverpool and he, right from the start at Anfield, he started off with a mask anchored to his bottom lip. He was chewing open mouth, which seems to be a speciality among football managers, Graham Potter of Brighton being a particularly uh, good example of that. I think then he covered both lips with his mask. At no point was that mask over his nose. And then I think when they played midweek, they lost at home 5-0 to Leeds. I think he was fully masked for that. But, you know, you're the wrong guy to be talking about circuit breakers when you can't even wear your mask properly. I think he completely undermined his point there. So getting the plumber in, that's going to be expensive, but just needs to be done. Not a great start to the year, not a great end to the year, but uh, onwards, upwards, etc etc gonna go for my first run then since boxing day as soon as i recall this which i know is going to be difficult i've got the added plus well the distractions i suppose that might take my mind off things i've got a new high-vis vest that my uh cousin and his wife got me for christmas and also a hat with a light i didn't know it had a light and i wore it out this morning to my aunt and uncles and i think the light must have come on as I put it on, because I couldn't work out what this thing was that was attached to the rim of the hat. Couldn't work out what it was. I knew that it came off. I thought initially that it was one of those magnetic tags that hadn't been taken off the hat when they bought it. I tried reading it. I couldn't make any sense of it. And as I left the house and I was walking, I was being followed by this. Well, it looked like I was illuminating my journey, which I actually was. I took the hat off, saw it had a light, and I thought, well, I must look like an idiot. But hey, I finally twigged. This is what my cousin's wife meant when she said, wearing the hat out when I was running. It is a hat for the running. So I'm going to go to the park after this. It's 15, 27 hours now. It's going to be dark when I get to the park. I'll have the new high-vis vest. I'm going to have the uh, the hat with a light. I'm going to be like one of those dogs that's all lit up by their owners. And uh, I know it's going to be a difficult run. I went out on Saturday, as I said, for that was my last run of the year, Boxing Day. I only did a lap. It was the cold that absolutely shocked me. I can't run in hot weather. I can't run in the cold weather. I'm a very limited runner in that respect. And also, it's what uh, Clay and I were talking about on Trial You Want, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think it was him that was talking about the difficulty of maintaining your fitness. And that's the thing that I'm beginning to appreciate. Yes, I'm fit. I'm finally fit. But to maintain that level of fitness, you need to be active every two or three days. And if it's any longer than that, then you're struggling. Then you're 
it, it, you know, you're taking a step back. And I know that today it's going to be painful if I'm going to be doing a second lap. I know that that is going to be difficult. I'm going to have to try and find a way to shut that pain out. I'm hoping that the, the new hat and the high-vis vest help on that front. But uh, hopefully do more than a lap. Hopefully I can do 6K today. Anything over that, absolutely no chance. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz-Tyson is available. The first episode of 2021, episode 301. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607WestEgg. Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. If you want to support the show, there are PayPal links and coffee.com links at the website, on the website rather, DanielRuiz-Tyson.com. All my work is on there and uh, any one-off donations come straight into this work not only was 2020 a bad year for me pandemic-wise, but uh, not a single review on Apple Podcasts in 2020. Not just the year of the pandemic for me, but also the year when this show, despite 100 episodes across the calendar year, if you include the bite-sized episodes and the specials, and it didn't garner a single review. I keep achieving new personal lows with this audio work. Most importantly, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. I was chatting to the kid last night and uh, talking about tests. He has tested positive. His parents uh, are positive or were positive. His dad's struggling to shake it off. But the kid, I had warned him, you know, he was looking for a post-lockdown liaison. He never has, not even temporary relationships these days. He's still governed by his trousers. And it was just asking for trouble and by committing a particular act within... Well, I don't think it was the bedroom. I suspect it was a car parked in a poorly lit car park. He has tested positive. He's narrowed it down to either that encounter, although he says the girl involved tested negative. He's narrowed it down to that encounter or a visit to Tesco's. He now says he's going to be celibate for as long as the pandemic is raging in 2021. He's just always picking up infections, even pre-pandemic. You know, the amount of time he had to go on uh, amoxicillin or whatever it's called. And, uh, you know, what is he now? He's going to be 34 this year. He's old enough to know a bit better. I said to him, did you need that liaison? He said, yes, he did. He just couldn't hold out any longer. It was killing him. But now he feels he's learned a lesson. He feels he's matured as a result of this. And uh, he's not going to be making the same mistake again. I'm a bit disappointed in him because, you know, he would have seen certainly with his parents how bad this virus uh, can be. Since uh, testing negative last night, that meant I could go and see my aunt and uncle. I went to see them today, a brilliant hour in their company. They were just arguing from the off. I think they'd been arguing by the time I... By the time I was there, they'd already been arguing. It was a bit frosty between them. My aunt was doing that thing where she doesn't look at my uncle as she talks to him. He was looking very calm, as he always does. He'd had a haircut recently. He was looking, you know, quite healthy. Sometimes he doesn't look great, but when he does look great, you think, uh, well, when he does look good, rather, he does look good. You notice uh, the difference, and uh, he looked very rested, clean-shaven, and uh, I think he was relieved to uh, suddenly have a uh, an interim between him 
and uh, his wife of uh, 55 years. My aunt was talking about this whole thing with this new vaccine. Now they've had the first vaccine. They were due to get the second vaccine, I think, in two or three weeks. Now there's this whole thing about getting vulnerable patients to have the new vaccine that's come in, which would mean, I think, my understanding of it, it would render the first vaccine of this original vaccine redundant. Because if you don't have the second vaccine, then you're not immune, are you? You're not protected. So I think it's all becoming rather confused. My aunt was now so well informed that she was talking about this new vaccine, you know, being something like uh, having, uh, I think, 90, 95% of efficacy and uh, she wants that one now. Your aunt's never happy, said my uncle. My aunt asked me to take some pictures of them for my cousins. Even that caused problems. She was telling my uncle to close his mouth because he hadn't put his teeth in and I don't think he took that uh, too well. Had a couple of coffees there. My aunt had a couple of calls while I was there so I was mostly just chatting to my uncle about the situation out there and uh, you know the virus and uh, you know who we know in Spain might have the virus. It's, I think, regardless of age, this is just a bewildering time to be living in for all of us. Took a trip to the little afterwards, double baskets, only had one glove on, and my hands weren't big enough to get the second basket into the left hand, which was gloved. So I ended up handling the, uh, well, barebacking, I suppose, the second basket, which defeated the whole point, really, of. Uh, trying to avoid touching anything but got a shop in so everything's looking a bit uh a bit better in terms of uh being well stocked for food try to make a point of uh, rest in the last uh, two or three days you know the counselor when she'd called before christmas she was talking about the importance of finding space for myself and i used the time to try and catch up on reading first time in my well the last few years when i've been doing this uh christmas reading list every year and the cutoff point for that for me is always Christmas Eve. Not interested in Christmas Day, but this year I had to read the Anne Perry book. I had to finish the second half of that Christmas novella on Christmas Day. It was pretty enjoyable. I had two of those to get through, but I realized that I'd actually borrowed the first one last Christmas. That was my second Christmas book that I'd read this year. And then I tackled a book that I've been sitting on for a year. It's got a photograph on the cover, which is always a bad sign. I don't know why publishers have books like that. You know, get a nice illustration on the cover. You know, a book cover is a big thing. I've always said I judge books by their cover. I see a photograph on a book. Not really for me. And I should have known better. Sybil Bedford's The Legacy, which is a book of huge repute, from the very first page to whatever it was, 350 pages or so, or no, 365, something like that. I did not enjoy a single page. Normally when I'm reading a book I don't enjoy, I really struggle through it. There was something about this book that I just didn't enjoy it to the extent that that is where my motivation came from. I wanted to finish it so I could read something that I wanted to read. I didn't want to end the year on a book that I couldn't finish. The one book, now there are two books that have tripped me up in the last 10 years. There's uh, Sunnyside by oh, the guy who wrote Carter Beats the Devil, the best debut novel I've ever read. I've forgotten his name now. Uh, shame on me because it's a beautiful novel. Sunnyside is his second novel. I think I failed with that because it was a trade paperback. I don't like hardbacks. I don't like trade paperbacks. Give me a paperback. I love a paperback. So that book has defeated me twice. And A Tale of Two Cities by Dickens. I love 
the Pickwick Papers, but A Tale of Two Cities was so dull and I couldn't finish it. I didn't want to end 2020 with the third book in the last decade that I've not been able to finish. So I finished that book. Notable because I think on the first or second page, it referred to a male character as a widower. And I'd recently been told that men can't be widowers. That term is only applicable to women. But here was a writer of big repute calling a male character a widower. Glad to get that book out of the way. I'm now reading and loving Lloyd Shepard's The Detective and the Devil, the fourth of the Charles Horton Quartet. I think there hasn't been a new book since 2016. Now, this guy's a phenomenal writer. The first book in the series, The English Monster, is probably the best book I've read in the last year. The final 50, 60 pages are the greatest denouement to any book that I've read since Murakami's A Wild Sheep Chase. It is an incredible final 50, 60 pages. And these books are set in the early part of the 19th century, which isn't really my time. You know, I prefer the latter 19th century, very late 19th century, if I'm honest. But these books are so good. They really are. And uh, I'll be looking out for uh, a fifth book in the Charles Horton series, if there is such a book. Really enjoying this. I'm about two thirds of the way through it. Now, quite a few Star Wars football results to bring you. Do I have? I don't have it over here. It's uh on the table. Let me just go and get it. I'll be back with you in a minute. Okay, here we go. A real pile up of fixtures because uh, the last uh, couple of months I've just really struggled to find the time uh, to, to to play these games. And I think it's why none of the teams have really hit a run of form. The Christmas Cup final, that wasn't played till about 22, 30 hours on Christmas Eve. I'd had the trial you want Christmas special with Clay Lowe and we're doing a New Year's special. More details shortly. Uh, New Year's Day special, rather, uh, tonight. So I didn't get that final out of the way until late on Christmas Eve. Wasn't a classic like last year. None of the games, in fact, in this year's Christmas Cup were. And I think that's really just because I'm quite rusty when it comes to Star Wars football right now. Silver Age Season 5 has really been full of interruptions. Alderaan and Empire made it to the final. Alderaan, I think I said on episode 300, they were marginal favourites, but they were down 2-0 by Empire. The final wasn't a classic, but Empire really looking like the team to beat this season. Stormtrooper signed from Tatooine after just a season at Tatooine where he won the treble with them. He scored the first goal and uh, he got the final touch before the own goal from Alderaan's supremely technical midfielder, Phasma, put through his own goal late on in the game to give Empire a 2-0 win. Stormtrooper becomes the first player to win two Christmas Cups with two different teams, won it with X-Wing in the all-time classic final on Christmas Eve 1984, widely regarded as the greatest Star Wars football game ever. So uh, uh, not a not a classic Christmas Cup competition, unlike last season, but I did well to get all the games in. I'd had to sneak a couple of games in. Well, no, one game in while my sister was here. And I think I said on that episode 300 that she must have been able to hear the commentary. She was in bed by the time I kicked off. Played the first Christmas Day Star Wars football fixture as well on uh, Christmas Day this year. I think it's the first Christmas Day fixture since the 80s. And, and the reason I never really played Christmas Day fixtures as uh, in the early years of Star Wars football is because it would have just looked... Like I didn't appreciate the new presence had I just gone back to the Star Wars football and the vintage action figures on Christmas morning. So I never played Star Wars football really on Christmas Day. Last week was the first Christmas Day fixture in about 30 plus years. X-Wing came back from a goal down at halftime to beat Rebels 2-1. It was a game between bottom club X-Wing and Rebels just uh, 
one place above them in seventh. Four points separated them at the start. X-Wing had now on four points. Rebels on five. A good win for X-Wing, who are now just... Uh, they just have one defeat in six games at the moment. A good run of form for the bottom club. And uh, League Week 6 as well. Boxing Day, two Boxing Day fixtures. A goal of straw between Tatooine and Alderaan, who did well to get a point after their Christmas Cup hangover. Alderaan are now unbeaten in four games against the treble winners this season. Alderaan beat them in the Charity Shield 1-0. They won both legs of the Christmas Cup quarter final 1-0. And now this goal of straw at Tatooine. Alderaan, though, have realistically drawn too many games to be title contenders this season. That is the general feeling. And there was a top-of-the-table clash between first-place Death Star and second-place Empire. Also on Boxing Day, that ended in a one-all draw. Death Star remained an enigma. How that team is top is beyond me. There's just a real imbalance to it. No side in the Silver Age has got rid of as many star players, individuals as Death Star in the last five seasons. But there's just an imbalance to that side that I've never really been able to fathom. The league table after six league games, such a slow season. It's taken three months to get to that stage because of all the cup competitions, domestic and European. Uh, Death Star, all the teams have played six games, by the way. Death Star top with 11 points, goal difference of plus five. So it's a, a low, uh, low in terms of points this season. There's no team pulling away. Empire are second on 10 points and uh, Bespin third also on 10 points, but Empire have a goal difference of plus five, Bespin plus three. Tatooine, the defending champions, they're in fourth on nine points, plus one goal difference. Alderaan on seven points, uh, zero goal difference. Hoth, they're in fifth, uh, sixth place on five points, minus three. Uh, Rebels in seventh place, as mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, they're on minus four X-Wing, bottom minus seven, but they've closed the gap on Rebels with that win over their bottom uh, wooden spoon rivals, let's say. Moving on to the League Cup quarterfinals, first legs. Ord Montel, always get that name wrong. Ord Montel, the second division team who won their all second division clash in the last 16, 8 0 on aggregate. They came unstuck at home to Holders X Wing. They lost at 3 0, though they gave a good account of themselves in the uh, first half. That star, shocking performance at home to Tatooine. Tatooine, comfortable 3 1 winners, should have been 3 0. A slip up by the Tatooine keeper, major in the uh, final minute of the game allowing a long-range goal from General Medin to uh, slip through his palms. Gives Death Star maybe a faint hope that they might still be able to turn this around, but it was a really bad performance from Death Star. And uh, in the other quarterfinal first leg to be played this week, Rebels beat Hoth 3-1 in a rerun of their Christmas Cup quarterfinals, which Hoth had won. And uh, last night, last game of the year, the World Club Championship final, a chance for Tatooine to win their eighth piece of silverware of the Silver Age. They were up against Mace Windu, the defending World Club champions who beat Empire in last year's World Club Championship final. Last season's, rather. They beat them 5-2. Well, they went into this game as favourites, but they were trounced by Tatooine, 3-0. Daz Pure, who'd actually got a hat-trick against Death Star in the League Cup to take his League Cup tally to six goals. He started alongside Jedi Luke. Goals from Jedi Luke. Tebow, uh, the Ewok, and an own goal uh, from... Who was the own goal from... Uh, from someone anyway, uh, meant that Tatooine ran out, deserved 3-0 winners. And uh, in the League Cup later today or tomorrow, Alderaan complete the quarterfinals, taking on second division. Takadan, I'm not sure where that is. Let me just see if I can find that out for you in case you're really into these. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, Alderaan 
are at home to Tagadan. Tagadan, considered the weakest of the two second division sides, still left in the competition, but they knocked out Empire on away goals. And that is it. That is the end of today's show. A bit of housekeeping. Uh, When Shorts were short, episode three is out. Brilliant guest on that this week. Uh, Sabucho collector Stuart Grant. Really do need iTunes reviews for that show if you're listening to it. And if you're subscribing via iTunes, do please give that show a review if you're uh, enjoying it. Also uh, tonight, uh, and you can follow that show, by the way, on Twitter and Instagram at Shorts Were Short. Also tonight, 20 hundred hours to 21.30. Try all you want. New Year's Day show with Clay Lowe. That's on Mixcloud Live. Follow that account on trialyouwant underscore. We'll be tweeting links for that uh, tonight. And you can engage with the show live on Mixcloud Live. And now, uh, well... It's time for you to just get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and this New Year's Day, finally, I have been available. 